بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اما بعد respected elders and brothers dear listeners mothers and sisters assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh inshallah we will uh, have the second part today second session on surah maryam Last week, although we read the entire Ruku'ah, we barely got past a few, few ayats and the, the crux of the entire uh, tafsir was on the aspect of tarbiyah of children and the fact that that's our biggest um, investment that we can make and that's the biggest gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well as the biggest liability. Like any other investment, the, uh, when there's high stakes, you can make huge profits and you can make huge losses, right? So similarly, our, our children are a beautiful pathway to paradise or unfortunately, could be something else. So we have to try our best uh, to make an effort on ourselves and our children and provide the very best environment. Uh, and that was, where did we get that from? Because this is what the whole dua of Zakariya is all about as he speaks in the surah so just to recap here this surah starts Surah Maryam begins with the story of Zakariya and the fact that he didn't have any he didn't have children at this old age and he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for children why is he asking Allah for children at this, at this stage in life and that is very clear that he wants someone to take care of the deen and his family those he was those relatives of his who were he was going to leave behind were not so focused on deen and that was his worry that what will happen to the future generations if these people who don't really care much about deen are left what will happen to my lineage so Allah Azza wa Jal he mentions this story and to remind us that the Lord of Zakariyah is the Lord of all of us the Rabb of Zakariyah is the Rabb for all of us and he is ever present willing to listen to our needs if only we turn to him Allah Azza wa Jalla "Zikru rahmati Rabbik Abdul Zakariya." This whole story is about the 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 rahma of your Lord, Abdul Zakariya, upon his servant Zakariya. Notice Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions the word "Rabb," and this is an important uh, word that we always are reminded of that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala chooses to introduce Himself as Rabb, because Rabb is your caretaker. Rabb is the one who takes care of your needs. When we were in, uh, when we were a small teeny zygote in our mother's womb, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided for us all our needs to be able to be formed so beautifully throughout those nine months. In three layers of darkness, all of our needs were being taken care of and food was being provided from the most miraculous manner. Our body was being formed. And as Allah azawajal gave us all that we required. When someone says, my dear friends, sometimes people say, uh, I owe it to my friends, man. I got to do what my friends tell me. Why is that? Because he's always been on my side. He's always been there. So your friend tells you to disobey Allah, you're going to do that as well. But he or she has been out there on my side. We don't realize that when you say things like this, or when I say things like this, we are doing such a huge disservice to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and disservice to ourselves rather. Because who's been on our side more than Allah? No one. From where were your friends and where are our friends when we were in, in, in our mother's womb? Right? Could they provide anything? Absolutely not. Even our mother couldn't, could not provide. It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who was using her as a vessel, but she herself, it was left on autopilot. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the pilot of that, that was providing our body the resources that it needed. And 
as soon as the body created and comes out, the baby is formed, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Did we not give you two eyes? Did we not give you a tongue? And two beautiful lips. And did we not show you both paths? You've got two eyes, and you've got ability to see two paths. The path of righteousness, the path of evil. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us two ears, the ability to distinguish between what's right and what's wrong. And Allah says, I show the path to you, just like every, every day, everywhere else, you, you drive on the road, on the right side of the road, not, the, not on the wrong side of the road. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has opened up to us ways that guide, take us to paradise and take us to hell. We have to have that level of intelligence, and we have to have that level of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we say, I'm not, I don't want to disappoint Him. How easily we say, I don't want to disappoint her. I don't want to disappoint him, meaning referring to some friends. Uh, referring to a spouse Referring to so and so But do we ask ourselves That I don't want to disappoint Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He's been my He's been so kind to me So nice to me Just think of today Just think of today How many millions of wrong things Could have happened to us How many times We could have slipped and fallen All the steps that you took To coming here today All the stairs that you have climbed To this afternoon Right All the places that you walked You could have slipped on the ice Broken bones Could we not? Right? I just heard in Spain there's an ice storm there or snowstorm there and the winter the cold is biting cold there. They're, they're receiving 50 fractures per hour in the hospital there in one city. 50 per hour. And that's how that could happen any, to any one of us. So afia, protection from all of this is a thing that we need to be remembering when we see all of that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been so kind more than you and I deserve. If anyone were to treat us the way we treat Allah, we would cut off our ties long time ago. We would stop all our resources that we're giving to them. We would stop giving them the first class treatment if we ever were. And we say, you know, get out of here. There's no reason that I'm going to continue to give you. That's how the dunya is. If a person does one mistake, 10 years worth of employment go down the drain. They don't look at all the time you were there for the company. They'll say, why did you do this? Out. That's the dunya. Very unforgiving. One mistake, two mistakes, and that's it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so overwhelmingly loving and caring, no matter how many mistakes a person has done, we just did this hadith today in class. Nabi alayhi salatu was speaking about the mercy of Allah. And he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is willing to forgive a person if he is, uh, uh, if he is consistent on his repentance. Mas, right? If he's consistent on his repentance. Uh, and if he, if he asks Allah for forgiveness, and Allah is willing to forgive him. Even if he breaks his tawbah and ends up committing a sin, 70 times in one day. And then re, uh, 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 goes back to Allah and repents again. And then breaks it. And goes back to, to Allah and again. Back and forth, back and forth. This happens 70 times in one day. Allah Azza wa is still willing to forgive the person. You can say the 71st time as willing as he is the second time. Does that work in this dunya? After a second or third, that's it. Everyone's going to give up on us. No one, no one out there, no matter how loving, caring, lovey-dovey relationship you have with anyone in this world, after second, third time, they'll say, that's it, I'm out. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because He knows what's in the heart, and we're talking about sincere repentance, we're not talking about fake repentance here, no. We're talking about sincere repentance, when a person says, I, what does repentance mean? A person says, I'm gonna stop doing this right now. Iqla'an al A person says, I'm gonna stop this sin right now. Number two, I have nadam, I have remorse. Number three, I make an intention never to go back to this again. Number four, some scholars have added, that come up with a method to get out of that mess. That's important. And people usually do three things maybe, but they don't end up doing this fourth point, which is coming up with a strategy. It's easy to say, I'm gonna change my life. But if you don't have a game plan, as they say, failure to plan is plan to fail. Right? Failure to plan is planning to fail. 
That's what it is. So when we do not have a plan to come out of our lifestyle that is a disobedience of Allah, then that means pretty much even though we're saying I hate what I'm doing, we don't. Otherwise, we would have changed our ways and come up with a method to get out of it. So these four points are so important. One is to leave the sin immediately. Number two, to have remorse. Number three, make intention never to go back to it again. And the fourth thing, which some scholars have added, is to come up with a method of getting out of that. And what's a good example of that? Where did they get this fourth point? We all know the story of the person who killed 99 people in Bani Israel. He killed 99 murders. 99 murders. And at the end of that, he went to a, to a, to a, a worshiper and said, is there any chance for me to repent? And he said, no, there isn't. You've done so much sin that there's no possibility of you repenting. So what happened at that time? He said, if, if it's already so useless, then I might as well just kill you too. It doesn't make a difference. So he made it a hundred and went back to his always. But subhanAllah, still there was a flicker of faith in him. Imagine my dear brothers, this is a real story that Rasulullah narrated. One hundred murders. So anyone you and I have engaged with in our lives, including ourselves, right? We, we haven't, most of us probably haven't met a person who's even killed one person. Right? SubhanAllah, what is, this, what is the sin of this guy that has killed 100 people? Yet he, something comes to him and he says, I want to repent. And he goes to a scholar this time and says, is there a chance for me to repent? And the scholar says, of course, the doors of Allah are always open. Even if he did something like unthinkable, one murder is bad enough. مَنْ قَتَلْ نَفْسًا بِغَيْرِ نَفْسٍ فَكَأَنَّمَا قَتَلْ نَسَا جَمِيعًا Whoever has killed a soul without any reason, it's as though he's killed all of humanity. Very famous ayahs, right? So this man killed a hundred. The scholar says, there's still chance for you. What do you need to do? He says, you know, we're all, we are all uh, a product of our environment. You're a good person. This is my dear friends, I'm sharing this. SubhanAllah, this thought just came to my mind right now. But this is what, when we see people around us all the time, sons, daughters, friends, and ourselves, you hear stories. You have to give a message of hope. Very, very important. And that's part of Allah being Rabb. Introducing Allah as your Rabb. That all the people who uh, shouldered you and who gave you money and who supported you, there's no one, no one who has more love than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Try stealing some money from that friend of yours. Try not paying a loan back to that friend. Try slashing his tires. Try breaking his window. Okay? And try doing that three times in a row. See where, you, where your friend stands. That's exactly and much worse than that we've done with Allah, have we not? When we transgress His orders, how does He react with us? This is the story. A hundred people He killed, and after that, He asks, uh, is there any chance for me? Is there any chance for Tawbah? And He says, yes. What? But, He says, you're a good person, but the environment you live in has ruined you. Your environment you live in has ruined you. You're a product of your environment. You're a product of your friends. The Prophet ﷺ, such beautiful words. He said, every one of you, he says, the human being, he follows the religion, deen, the religion of his friend. So each one of you should be careful on who he befriends. I think for fathers and mothers who are listening to me, the best gift that you can give to your son and daughter before you leave this world is not a, uh, a credit card with a $100,000 limit, right? It's not keys to a brand new Lexus. Wallahi is to give them amazing friends from a young age who will keep them on the right path and who they will be able to keep them in the right path. This is seriously the best gift. I'm sitting here as a product of, of course, uh, loving and caring parents, but awesome friends. Many of you sitting here today, it's because of the same thing, or if not all. That we've had amazing people in our lives who helped us stay connected with the deen. We may fall off, but those friends bring us back. And that's the biggest gift that we can give our kids, is to find beautiful, righteous, pious boys and girls for our daughters and our sons. 
and make sure you make you go out of your way. You know the rista process. Oh, I gotta find you. Gotta meet you. The guy, the, connect with the girl over here. You know, bump into them while they're serving chai. All those stories you hear about. This stuff is supposed to start when you're three years old, two years old. Not rista process. No, no. Don't get me wrong. Two year old. It, you need to start finding who's got kids who are on, who are in deen, and you find a way to connect with such families, and you go out of your way. As it's your need that I want my son to hang out with your son. I want my daughter to hang out with your daughter. I want them to just kind of play, you know, have play dates together. Because the good will rub off one another. If they grow up in that environment, and even high school age, very important, college age, finding where those friends are, that's everything. Right? So this is something so important for all of us, inshallah, to keep in mind when raising our children and ourselves as well as we grow older. You wonder, where do I start from? How do I start, start fresh in my life? And what's the answer to that? Connect yourself with good people. Where are you going to find good people? You're not going to find them out in the bar. You're not going to find them out in the mall or the, or the club. You're going to find them where? In the house of Allah. That's what it is. So coming to the house of Allah, this should be one of our intentions. I'm coming here to find good company. And I'm going to, mashallah, all these people that I know over here, where do I know you all from? I don't know you from the stores. We know each other and we become great friends, alhamdulillah, through the masjid. That's how it is. That relationship is stronger than any other relationship out there. This relationship came from the masjid, stays in, in, in front of the masjid, it goes out, outwards. Right? All these brothers of our community, in this community here, I didn't know any of you 10 years ago, 8 years ago. But look at our friendships, how they have blossomed, alhamdulillah today. And that's simply because the barakah of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you make this your, your house, this has got to be our house. This has got to be the house of our children. So for those fathers who come regularly to the masjid and they don't bring their kids, I mean, I don't understand. You know, where's this deen gonna last? It's gonna go with you into the grave. Will your kids, if your kids are not accustomed to coming to the house of Allah, right now while you're alive, what makes you think once you're dead they'll come? What makes you think? When they, don't, when they can't drive and you are driving, you can bring them with you. What makes you think when they get their driver license and their car, they're gonna come drive into the masjid first thing? It just doesn't work like that. We have to create that environment that we're gonna go to the house of Allah with our children. And that these children find friendships. These boys, mashallah, when pre-COVID, it was so nice. You'd see these kids, you know, after Isha, a bunch of little kids come to Dar es Salaam, 8, 10 years old, sitting there playing marbles. You guys remember that? You sit in the corner playing marbles after Isha, where their dads would sit in Talim. That's awesome. That's how it's supposed to be. You come, you pray your sunnah with, her, with your dad, whatnot, and then you go play marbles, play basketball, play, play, play whatever you want. Those type of relationships are amazing. These people will grow up, they won't forget each other. And inshallah, Throughout lives, they'll be able to help one another. So that's what it means to create a sense of community. Going back to the story, the shaykh told him, you're a product of your environment, you need to go from here. So he stood up and he said, where do I go? He said, go to another place where there's pious people. Go there. And inshallah, when you go there, the environment will change you. That's, so he packed up his bag and started leaving. Basically what he said is, you, if you make tawbah a hundred times you sit here, as long as you don't leave your environment, you'll be the same. It's like, a, I give an example, it's like someone who's sitting in a pool of urine and putting on ithar over himself. And he's wondering why he stinks. Of course, unless you stand up and move to another location, no matter how many bottles of ithar you pour yourself, the smell's never gonna go away. So this is a really important point for all of us that we have to make sure we don't just come to the masjid or attend takaf programs, retreats, and make tawbah and stuff. It doesn't work like that only. You gotta go to the next step, which means who are the people I'm surrounding with? Who are the people that my wife is connected with? My children are connected with? And for our fathers and our husbands, remember that. The children, of course, are in the hands of the moms first. So if our moms, our wives rather, do not have good company, you can't expect the kids to have good company. Right? So that's something. It's our responsibility to introduce our wives to such people such people's homes, that will have a good impact on them. And when that impact comes on to them, they will ensure that their kids also have good company. On the way to this town, 
Allah willed for this person to die. The angel of death came. And he literally pulled his soul. He could have died when he was killing any of those 100 murders. But he didn't die. He could have died on the, once he had arrived and changed his life. But he didn't die there. He died on the way to the new town. When the angel of death came, pulled him out, Malikul Maut, the angels of paradise and the angels of hell, Iyin and Sijin showed up. And they're saying, he's with us. The other one's saying, no, he's with us. They're fighting amongst themselves to say, this soul is soul of a one who killed a hundred souls, man. How much more evil soul are you looking for? He's destined to go to Jahannam. He's got to go to the place before you go to hellfire. It's called Sijin. That's where he's got to go. The, 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 the angels of Jannah said, no, he's not just, he was, but he made tawbah. Look, he's on his way to the city. The only reason he came to that city is to make rep- repentance. So we, of course, have to take him to paradise. Of course, this is not happening without Allah's permission. This whole argument going on. Allah Azza wa Jalla sends an angel. He says, I'm going to be the arbitrator between both of you. Okay? Will you all agree with what I say? And they said, yes. He says, what are we going to do? Simple math. We're going to measure. We're going to measure where he is closer to. Whichever city he's closer to, he will be regarded as from them. If he's closer to the city of the sin where he committed these hundred murders, he ought to go to hell. When he's, if he's closer to the city where he was attending to go ask forgiveness from Allah, he had to go to paradise. And they said, okay, we agree with this. So now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّهُ No one knows the army of Allah except for him. Every single thing. When I told you in the, uh, after Isha, I said Allah can make the east and the west, west and the east. It's serious. Right? Allah can, Allah can make the sun go up, Allah can make the sun go down, anything, everything. So what I did, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the earth. The area between where this man died was actually closer to the place where he had committed those sins. So if the measurement were to take place, he'd be headed to where? Hellfire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the earth to expand. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the earth between where he died and the place where he's headed to, to shrink. Simultaneously happening, behind the scenes, no one knows what's going on. Right? And then the angels went to go measure. And sure enough, subhanAllah, it was just exactly what, uh, what you would have hoped, what we would have hoped for, that he was closer to the place of Tawbah. And the angels of Iliyin, the angels of paradise, took his soul. This is what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi We would have never known this. We would have never guessed it. We would have never imagined this had it not been Allah informing Rasulullah through revelation. So this is a 100% true story. Is that story limited to the people of the Bani Israel? No. Absolutely not. Instead, Allah's rahmah with this ummah is way more than the rahmah that was there for the previous nations. So we can expect even more. The reason why we share this story is this fourth point. Is that he told him that if you want your tawbah to be strong, you have to move from your area. Otherwise, it's not going to work. As much as we like to say, and I have seen this, my dear brothers, with many students who come for our various programs, and then they share with us issues. And we tell them that subhanAllah, you change your life within this one month program. You change your life within this three week, this one year program. But as much as you have changed so quickly within this few weeks in this program, do you not think you can easily change back to this when you leave? That's part of who we are. We are change. Qalb, yataqallab. The heart has been called the heart because yataqallab, it changes. So we are able to change very quickly based on our environment. So we remind our students when they graduate from here, from any program, that ensure that when you leave from here, that you make sure you hang on to a good group of friends that can keep you not only at this level as you are, which you are here now, but continuously take you to the next level. And it can happen. But if you go back to your city, your town, your state, where you came from, and you go back to the same old friends, the effect of it, unfortunately, is not going to last very long then this is what I'm telling you from statistics and from my own observation. Those who go back to their homes and states and cities, and they do not have that same, uh, the, the, the new set of friends, and they go to what you call status quo, go back to, um, 
you know, they're old ways, old friends. Then patabini chalda. You can't even realize that this person spent a year or three months or two months in a madrasa. May Allah protect us all. Say Ameen. May Allah truly give all of us righteous, pious friends. Say Ameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from any evil influences that we have. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take us far away from such evil influences. And may Allah guide those evil influences too, but take us away first. And then change them and change us. And then if Allah wills, allow us to meet again once we have changed our, our ways. So this is the story of Rabb. All of this is, tell, is encompassed in the word Rabb. Allah says, I want you to remember the story of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is Rabb, His mercy on Nabi Zakariya. What did Nabi Zakariya do? When Nabi Zakariya, he entreated his Lord in secret, in a secret manner. Right? In a secret manner, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. Okay, so we learn a couple things over here. One is, we have to do, we have to ask Allah for dua, lots of it. Lots and lots of it. What are the different ways of doing dua? One is doing dua from the heart. One is doing dua from our tongue. Right? One is doing dua out loud. What is the best way to do it? What we learn from in this story here is dua should be done. In this case here, dua from the tongue, nida. Nida is when you speak. You don't do nida from the heart. Nida is when you call out, Ya Abdullah. So that's nida. You're calling out to someone. So he called out to Allah, Rabbana. Which means, Ya Rabbana, Oh my Lord. All the Rabbanas in the Quran, you're actually calling out to Allah. But this, this, this nida was not out loud screaming. Nida and khafiya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in secret. Right? Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he was with his companions. And they were making takbir and tahleel out loud. You know, uh, and they were, uh, they were making a dua very loud. The Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, he said, you are not calling out to someone who is deaf or who is absent. Why are you screaming so loud in your dua? He is with you. Indeed, he listens to everything and he is very near. Blessed is his name, great is his honor. So we hear, from, we understand from this, is that there is this, the, the dua should be done quietly. Right? When our, on our own selves. We're not talking about collective dua here. Of course, we're talking about individual dua. It should be done quietly. Number two is, uh, we understand that there are different ways. I told you some dua is done with the heart. That's called munajat. Munajat is when a dua, you're making dua from your heart, your tongue doesn't move. There's a place for that as well. When you are amidst people, you, can, you don't want to raise your hand and make dua. Right? You're in a situation, you're in a meeting, and people are there, you don't want to make a scene. What, you don't want to be what, moving your lips and say, what are you reading on me, man? Right? I, I had a friend who was, uh, you know, a very frank and open guy. So he was driving. <laughs> and the cops pulled him over. So he started reading Surah Yasin. So he came, the cop came to him. This is a real story. Came to him and says, you know, what are you doing, sir? Yeah, you know why I pulled you over? He says, I don't know. Give me your license. And then he looked at him. He said, what are you, what are you, what are you saying? He said, I'm reading some Qur'an. He said, for what? He said, Cause so you don't give me a ticket. He said, what? He said, yeah, you're not going to give me a ticket because I'm reading this. Wallah, he didn't give him a ticket. <laughs> he didn't give him a ticket. Right? Yaqeen, conviction, he's reading and he told him on his face, I'm reading it so you don't give me a ticket. Right? So, but now, now I'm not saying you should be doing this every single time. You can do it softly, but I've heard this from teachers. The reading this is, is effective in protecting yourself from these type of scenarios. Right? Driving safe, but you don't wanna, you're, go, you're going through a place where you don't want to be caught. 
or you don't want people to look at you with a wrong intention, you can read this ayah from Surah Yasin. With Sud, with a Sin Madmum, the Dhamma on it. So, there is a place for munajat. There is a place for us to speak to Allah from our heart. Especially when people are sleeping around us, or you know, we're in a meeting, etc. And my dear friends, sometimes I feel that we ha- all of us have to try that. We have to, because we have, alhamdulillah, habit. Somewhere or another, we make dua. Maybe once a week, maybe once a month, maybe after one Jummah. We may do make dua. But how often do we make dua from our heart? It's something to try it out. I recommend definitely all of us to try this. You can do it as I'm speaking right now. As you sit here, you can be making dua in your heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because what will happen is when you make dua from your heart, and you're not, it's not like you're doing any rote memorization. You know, like Rabbana, I do, most people don't even know what the Rabbanas are. And unfortunately, they say Ameen in the wrong spots. We say, oh Allah, we've oppressed ourselves. And they say, Ameen. Right? Because they don't know what the dua is about. So, when you, and you, so it's just like, you know, that, that, that they, they memorize a few duas and then they just look in the other way and, and they just do it like that and they walk out. So that's not the necessarily the very good dua like that. When you are doing dua from your heart, can you do something from memory? Can you just read stuff? You, even if you're reading a dua of the Quran that you don't know, but it's sincere, right? It's sincere because no one can hear it. You're focused. Your heart is doing the talking. So I would all, I like all of you to try that and, and try it right now as I'm speaking here. Whatever your needs are, speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allow your heart to speak to Allah. And actually well, that will help you concentrate in the lesson and the disdars here as well. And it will save you from drifting off as it happens many times. This is one way. You should say, Allah, I've come here. You brought me all the way here. Do not deprive me now by making me zone out. That's a dua we should make. And it will allow the speaker to say that which I need to hear, which would be of most benefit to me. That's a dua inshallah that will help us all of us. So that is called munajat, whispering. He made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala khafiyah. Okay, now what is the dua he made? He said, Qala Rabbi, O my Lord, inni Indeed, my bones have enfeebled with age. My bones have become weak. He didn't complain of his muscles. Uh, he didn't complain of his tendons. He didn't complain of any organ or anything. He complained about his bones. Why is that? Because bones is the strongest part of your body. That is your skeleton. Upon this, everything else comes. If the main skeleton, if the crux of your whole body has become weak, what do you expect from the rest? So basically saying, I'm from top to bottom, I'm super weak and I'm physically weak. Why, you, why should you mention that? What do we learn in etiquette from here? The reason of uh, uh, mentioning this is to gain Allah's pity. To gain what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pity. To say, Ya Allah, this is my state. And then he says, Oh Allah, I, my hair, right? My head is lit with gray. Ishti'al, ishti'al is the uh, fire when it's lit up and it spreads, the sparks go all over the place. That's the word the Quran uses, uses over here. For the spreading of gray or white hair is like the spreading of fire, sparks, how they go all over. Similarly, this whiteness has taken over my head. Again, meaning I'm an old man. People, average person has, he's rough with a, with a young person. When he sees an older person, he says, alright, let you go, man. Ya Allah, you're Rabbul Alameen, you're not a human. You're not makhluk, you're khaliq. Everyone who has any mercy is because of your mercy. So now I'm asking you that I have become old. As it comes in certain hadith, that when a person turns, when a person spends his years, youthful years in ibadah, and his hair of his beard and his hair turns white in ibadah, in, as a Muslim, and as a Muslim. And now he's at the age of 60 plus, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala feels shy to punish him. Right? So this is the reward. And this is another whole topic. The, and we should have a, a talk on that one day. On the virtues of elderly people. Right? 
Because for us, old is gold. Old is gold. The elderly are, are amazing. Their whiteness on their beard and their whiteness on their hair is gold. If only we would recognize and understand that. And their presence is a huge rahmah and mercy for all of us. So he said, he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. And he's saying, Ya Allah, I, my bones are extremely weak. And my, my hair is extremely white. Alright? So this is the second etiquette. First etiquette was you make dua softly, earnestly. Number two, second, second etiquette that he did is that you use and present to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reasons why he should have pity upon you. This is something maybe we don't do enough. Which is, and I, you know, tadhallul wal iftiqar, showing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how much you need him. We hear this from our elders. In Urdu, you hear the elders making dua, beautiful duas. I don't know how many of the English-speaking, you know, American-born people do this. I don't know. I didn't hear their duas too often. But I hope you all do. I hope we all do. Right? That in our own language, we speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and share with Him our excuses for who, you know, and reasons why Allah should have mercy. Look at this dunya. Someone says, can you please have, cancel the test for tomorrow? And then they give you, okay man, it's fine. But they give you 20 reasons, right? 20 reasons why you shouldn't have the test tomorrow. Why you shouldn't have the, why should homework? You didn't do your homework and you should be given an extra day. We have all sorts of reasons. Ya akhi, we're asking Allah for forgiveness. We're asking Allah to get us out of the mess. And he, for him, I remember one dua I heard from one elder, it was so beautiful. He says, um, Right? I'm just asking you to look at me with once with a glance of mercy. That's all it takes. One glance of mercy from you. But for me, my entire life depends upon that. It's like you go to an extremely powerful senator or president or whatnot. He says, listen, I'm, all I'm asking is one signature here. I'm asking you to one text message, one phone call. For you, it's nothing. You're doing a hundred thousand things, and it's like you don't even want to remember me after this. But just do it for my sake, because this will take care of my problems. We think so like this. But this is Rabbul Alameen, Lord of the worlds. Literally, one glance of His mercy is sufficient to solve all our problems. The person who's got the worst type of marriage life, the person who's got the worst type of addiction, the person who's got the worst type of children, the person who's got the worst type of in-laws, parents, uh, employer, uh, business partner, you name it, whatever type of worst type of physical pain, worst type of mental pain, worst type of emotional pain and suffering. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to simply look at us with His glance of mercy, it's done. Before, the dua, before your hands go down, it's done. What does Allah say in the Quran? Indeed, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills to do something, all He has to say, be, and it becomes. Right? So He's asking here. He's presenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala His iftiqar and His need. Dear friends, this is something how we have to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Show Him how, uh, how much we need Him. So part of this is debasing ourselves. What is it? Debasing ourselves. Again, we Americans are usually too arrogant to do this. Right? We have to learn how to do that. Do it in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the hadith, dua of Rasulullah Allahumma inni dhalilun fa'izzani wa inni faqeer fa'aghnini. Oh Allah, I am absolutely the most humblest. Dhalil, give me honor. Oh Allah, I'm the most poor in every sense. Right? Oh Allah, give me enough to make me not in need of anyone. Nabi Sallallahu dua from, uh, from where? From conquest of Mecca. I've spoken about it in Jum'ah a number of times. Maybe even after Isha as well. Long beautiful dua, the conquest of Mecca. What is he saying? He's saying, Ya Allah, you're seeing me. 
You see me, ya Allah. أنا البائس الفقير المستغيث الواجد المشفق المقترف المعترف بذنبي. Oh Allah, I am that sinful, right? Servant of yours. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying this. مشفق. I'm scared. المعترف بذنبي. I am the one who's confessing to my sins, right? I am المقرو. I am someone who is uh, who is going to acknowledge my weakness. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying this at the, at the where at the conquest of Mecca at the height of his if you were, if you can call it of his career of his prophethood, and then he says Asaluka I ask you I don't ask you just like that I ask you Masalat al Miskin I ask you the way a beggar asks and I beseech you the way a disgraced sinner beseeches the judge. Right? And I supplicate to you the way a sick person who is afraid that he's gonna fall. Darir could mean sick or blind. Someone is blind and sick and he's scared. He needs the mercy of someone to help him. How he calls out to people, that is how I'm calling out to you. I call out to you like the one, the crying out of the one whose neck is humbled in front of you. Whose body, whose entire body is humbled in front of you, is, is lying low in front of you. And whose nose is being pushed against the soil of the ground. And whose tears continuously flow for you. Oh Allah, do not make me, do not make me deprived. And do not make me wretched in this dua of mine. Ya khair al-mu'teen, oh the best of those who give. Wa ya khair al-mas'uleen, oh the best of those who are asked. Subhanallah, say subhanallah. What an amazing dua of Rasul Sallam. Most, one of my most beautiful, favorite duas I love. This is, you can find it in Munaj Maqbul. You can find this in Al-Hizbul A'zam. This is the dua of the conquest of Mecca. And if you want it, you can message us and we can send you a picture of it as well with the translation. Message the masjid number or the email. Right? So this, this dua, Nabi Wasallam is teaching us how to be humble. I want, I want to remind myself and all of us, if you, can't, if you cannot be humble in front of our... If, if, we, if I cannot be humble in front of Allah, forget about forgiveness. It's not going to work. Arrogance does not work in front of God. It never did, it never will. That's something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never accept. He hates arrogance so much. He says, if a person has an iota, iota, a mustard seed worth of arrogance, he cannot enter paradise until he has to go to hell and get that dirt cleansed. There's no spot, no place, not even one inch place in paradise for a person who's got arrogance. It must be cleansed first. It must be cleansed. Whether it's cleansed through Allah's forgiveness is cleansed, or it's cleansed through hellfire or through the punishment of the grave. So in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's the last place we can act arrogant. Sometimes people say, why should I? I'm never I'm not that big of a sinner. That's, a, that's like the most foolish comment you can make. That just tells us how confused we are when someone says things like that. But I'm not that bad of a person. How can I really cry to Allah? How can I'm not? I mean, what have I done? Okay? You, then you come, you know, subhanAllah, go sit with someone to tell you what you have done. Our existence in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing is a sin. From our wujud to our adam, seriously. Our, you know, the, our, every second, we're constantly disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't even realize it. The fact that we don't realize it is another big sin. You know what I'm saying? When, when you go to, you meet up your kid or son or daughter, he does something wrong. What's all this? What's all this? And he looks at you and says, what? Like what? Now whatever he did, as much as angry you got at that, you're going to become more angry at this. Are you not? When he looks at you, he says, what? 
What do you mean what? What is this all that you just did? You broke all of this, you cut up all of this, you tore all apart this, or whatever the case may have done. How could you tell me what? The fact that you're in denial, the fact that you don't recognize this is, the, is, the, is definitely as, as they say, عُذْرُكَ أَقْبَحُ مِنَ الذنبي. Students know this when I, tell, when I used to tell them this. When they come give false excuses, why are you late in class? And they give some, you know, especially a lie. I would tell them what our teachers say, عُذْرُكَ أَقْبَحُ مِنَ الذنبي. Your excuse is worse than the sin. You came late, that's bad. But your false excuse, or the excuse you've given, is way worse than the actual sin. Your excuse is worse than the sin. So our excuse to Allah that I don't know if I've done wrong, I don't think so, I'm alright. This, this negligence of doing introspection, and this, uh, what I should say, arrogance, and the inability to, to go deep down in ourselves and to say, where have we disobeyed Allah, is the biggest sin we're doing. So stop that. We all need to stop that. We all need to be honest with ourselves. No matter how much we've done, as long as there's humility and humbleness, there's a way out. But if there's little sin packed with arrogance, then there's no way out. Did we understand that, brothers and sisters? That part is super important. May Allah give myself, number one, I'm speaking for myself. And then all of us, tawfiq to do that. To be truly honest with Allah. You, who are you gonna fool, man? Who are you gonna fool? You can't fool Allah, you can fool the rest of the world, but you can never fool Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, that they try to deceive Allah, but in reality, Allah is the one who's deceiving them. Allah will have the last laugh, if I may say that. Alright? Without any tashbih with human beings. That, uh, I mean, if you try to deceive Allah, that's not gonna work. As Allah says in the Quran, they plot and they connive. And Allah plots. And Allah is the ultimate best of plotters. You can't outrun Allah. You, can't, you cannot outrace Allah. You cannot outplan Allah. You cannot deceive Allah. This is shaitan thinking that I'm, I'm going to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and get away out of this. It doesn't work like that. So this is the second really important aspect of, the, of this uh, dua is the fact that you see humility and humbleness in front of Allah. Lastly, what is that? Is to have hope that your dua will get accepted. How did he say that? He said, And he said, Oh Allah, I have never been unhappy. Uh, he says, Oh Allah, I have never been unhappy in calling upon you. You've never deprived me. You've never kept me unhappy whenever I made dua for you. Dua from you. Dua to you. Supplicated to you. This is the, this word shaqiya, the dua of Fatah Makkah I just read. Do you remember that? The word shaqiya came in there? What did I say? Wala taj'ani bidu'aika Do not make me deprived and, and wretched in, in calling out to you. Same word, shaqiya. Shaqiya. Which means deprived, disgraced, or you know, uh, mahroom. So what is he saying? He's saying, Ya Allah, I've had past experience with you. And every time I've had an experience, you never let me down. So today as well, don't let me down, subhanAllah. The husnul dhanni billah. Having a hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A poet says beautifully, he says, Kun an humumika mu'ridun awkil al-umura ila al-qadha. He says, turn your face away from your problems. Turn your face away from your worries. And leave your, assign your affairs to destiny. Take the glad tidings of blessings that will come right around the corner, such blessings that you will forget all the difficulty of your past life. For there are many affairs which are making you upset and angry right now, but the end result of it will bring happiness to you. 
Sometimes you will, the hallway or the pathway that you're walking with is narrow. But when you get out of that pathway and you come out, you come to an expansive area. Yes? All the time. Walk through a narrow hallway and then you come to a huge balcony, huge room or outside air. Right? Outside uh, atmosphere. So he says the end of the, the hallway, as it narrow as it may seem, may be very vast. Allah يَفْعَلُ مَا يَشَاءُ فَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مُعْتَرِضًا He says, Allah will do whatever He will, so make sure you do not become from amongst those who criticize Him. Allah has made you accustomed of a good life. Allah has made you accustomed of health and wealth. Allah has made you accustomed of comfort and ease. So then, expect the same for the future. MashaAllah. Right? Expect the same for the future. Think about it, my friends. What musibah? We say you have musibah, fikr. In reality, our fikrs are nothing. The biggest fikr we have is what is our relationship with Allah. That's it. That's the biggest fikr. All other fikr and concern is absolutely zero. If we have Allah on our side, we've got nothing to worry about. So this is the third beautiful quality is that we have to have expectations of khair and good from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet ﷺ said, in a hadith related by Abu Hurairah, إِذَا مَطَى شَطْرُ اللَّيْلِ أُثُلُثَاهِ When half of the night or two-thirds of the night have passed, يَنزِلُ اللَّهُ تَبَارَكُ وَتَعَالَى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends in a manner that befits him to the closest heaven. فَيَقُولُ And then he says, هَلْ مِنْ سَائِلٍ يُعْطَى Is there anyone who is begging that needs to be given? هَلْ مِنْ دَاعٍ يُسْتَجَابُ لَهُ Is there anyone that is supplicating whose supplication needs to be accepted? هَلْ مِنْ مُسْتَغْفِرٍ يُغْفَرُ لَهُ Is there anyone seeking forgiveness whose sins need to be forgiven? حَتَّى يَنْفَجِرَ الصُّبْحُ Until the dawn breaks. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every single night is, is, is asking us, especially at a time when most people are asleep. At that time, He says, okay, this is private time with you. If you want to come speak to me, if you really want to prove that you need something, then this is the time you got to wake up. Yeah, is it hard to wake up at 3 a.m.? Of course. But if you really need it, something, then it will happen. And that's true. I'm sure all of us sitting here can think about the times we actually woke up at night when we do not have a habit of waking that up. And I'm sure all of us can think of times when we cried on a prayer mat, when something went really wrong in our life. And you say, well, I, wouldn't, I wasn't able to pray basic fard salah. How am I supposed to, how was I able to do tahajjud that night? Because when push comes shove and Allah gives us aql and faham, then we're able to do things. So if we really want three things, either we want our needs to be fulfilled, we want Allah SWT to accept our dua, or we want sins to be forgiven, as mentioned in this hadith. What's the best time to do that? Before fajr. Before the fajr time begins. And Yaqub when the long story of Yusuf, how he, how he was enslaved and all that stuff that he went through, when his brothers eventually got caught and eventually they confessed, they went to Yaqub they went to the father, they said, Istaghfiru. They said, please seek forgiveness for us. And he said, I will seek forgiveness. Sofa astaghfiru lakum, Rabbi. Soon I will seek forgiveness from your Lord. Not now. You've requested me. For all the, all the oppression you have done against me I will seek forgiveness But not right now So scholars of tafsir say What was he referring to? Either he was referring to Tahajjud time That I will wait till before Fajr To stand up in front of Allah And seek forgiveness for you Or he was waiting for The night of Jumu'ah And Jumu'ah To seek forgiveness But there's this We don't have to wait for Jumu'ah right now Every single day This, this place is open 
And my dear friends, does that mean if a person is not, for some reason he falls asleep, he should know, he, he wants to make tawbah, he should he say, I should go to sleep without tawbah and wake up, then make tawbah? You never know if you're going to wake up. You never know if you wake up. I don't know if I'm going to wake up once I go to sleep. So that's why we should definitely make tawbah before we go to bed, every day. With the intention and the firm resolve that, Ya Allah, please give me the ability to wake up before Fajr as well. And inshallah, if we are sincere in our tawbah at night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who wakes us up every morning, will wake us up a little bit earlier as well. Right? It starts off with the intention. And if we made a firm intention, we put our alarm clock, we, put, we did everything, and yet we didn't get up, what's gonna happen? We still get the reward of it. Simply by making an effort and making an intention. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in hadith, shahada an sadqi qalbin manazila shuhada wa in farashi The one who asks for martyrdom, the one who asks for the status of martyrdom, he asked for Allah to give him martyrdom. Okay, to become a shaheed. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him the reward of a martyr even if he dies on his bed at home. How is that? On sidqi qalbin, because he asked Allah out of, with sincere heart. If we ask Allah, so there's, why, why we be, be bukhil? Why we be stingy in our dua? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ask Allah, Ya Allah, I want to become your wali. I want to become your friend. I want to be, I want to, I want to, I want to die as a shaheed. I want to be buried in Jannatul Baqi. I want my janazah to take place in Medina Munawwara. I want a million and a half, two million people pray salah on my, on my janazah. And I want awliya in thousands and hufad and ulama to be present in my janazah. I want a thousand people or millions of people to accept Islam just on my death. Why not? Even if it doesn't happen, you'll get the reward. Think about that. So, but you have to think like that, right? To even make a dua. You have a desire that to even make dua. Why we don't make dua like that? Because our mind doesn't even go there. But we're thinking about all other aspects of the dunya. I wish I can get this. I, can, I wish I can get that. I wish I can get that. But our mind is never thinking about what's going to happen about our death. What's going to happen? How are we going to die? How are we going to get raised up there? So if we don't make the dua, how are we going to expect Allah to give it to you for free? You have to do something. You have to do something for it. And it starts off with dua. Right? We're starting asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with, uh, sincerely for it. So these are, this, these are the beautiful du'as of Zakariya alayhi salatu wasalam. Allahu Akbar. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, okay, I want, one thing I want to ask is, oh yeah, I want to, let's move on to the next ayah. What, what, what is his worry? He said, indeed I fear for the right guidance of my kinsfolk to come after me. And I talked about this whole topic last week. Right? So, I, uh, that I'm worried about my children, my family, if there's no one who's going to take care of them. So now Allah grant me a children. He didn't clearly explicitly say it in this, but he made he he alluded to it. And oh Allah, right now this is the situation. My wife is barren. So please grant me from your own precious, plenteous bounty a successor to inherit from me. I mean, I'm just telling you, it looks really tough. My wife is barren, meaning she has never given children yet. On top of that, she's old. And on top of that, I'm old. According to Riwayat, he was 93 or 95 years old when he was asking this. In his 90s, he's making dua. His wife may be in her 70s. But on top of that, being elderly, she had never given birth to a child. So it seems to be very difficult. What do we understand? I've shared this with you before. SubhanAllah, may Allah allow myself and all of you to understand what I'm about to say. That when, when we're making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to make dua with so much trust, so much trust, that knowing that impossible is impossible for you and I, there's nothing impossible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when, when, remember the story I told you, and I'll share it again for those who haven't heard it, that one day I was with one of my teachers in Makkah al-Makarramah, and it was about 11 o'clock, 11.30, and he told me at that time, that you know, I want to go for a Jum'ah to pray in the haram. This was after Hajj, and when, the, when everything is jam-packed. And, and I said, it's 11 o'clock right now. He said, what time is Jum'ah? He said, 12 o'clock. 
تقريبا like this he said can we make it and I told him never right I said never they closed the gates well before that immediately he corrected me and he said you should never in, our, in, in front of me at least never say never when it comes to these type of things right? he said hamare yaan is tarikhe se bola nahi jata hai is tarikhe se nahi kehte hai ke hargiz nahi ho sakta mumkin nahi na mumkin ye lafz nahi kaha jata nahi bola jata hai this type of word you do not speak you do not say nahi that mumkin nahi hai that's not acceptable why wa ma dhalik ala allah bi aziz because Allah says in the Quran that is not difficult for Allah ye wo Allah ke liye mushkil nahi hai aapke liye mere liye mushkil hoga Allah ke liye mushkil nahi hai think about the story my friends a 95 year old man making dua that Allah gives him an heir his wife has never given birth to any child and now she's in 70s or so what is the likelihood of this working out but why did he make a dua a surah al imran surah al imran says he entered his his niece's wife's niece's uh, uh, room or place where she does ibadah and she entered, he entered there and he saw who? I'm speaking about uh, the, uh, 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 Maryam alayhi salam sitting there radiallahu anha sitting there and wajada inda rizqa she's sitting completely away from the community and she's sitting there with food and according to uh, some narrators that she had fruit out of season fruit out of season fruit sitting in front of her this is not you know 2020 where you got fruits or 2021 from all over the this is those days you, had, you eat the fruits of the season Right? So, out of season fruits, also in an area where no man had entered before, no one was coming back and forth, she had secluded herself in ibadah, and she asked, he asked her, Anna ki haza, ye kahan se aya? Pretty much. Ye kahan se aya? Where did you get this from? And her response, qalat simple, huwa min indillah. Huwa, it is min from indillah, Allah. Allah ki taraf se aaya bas khalas that's the answer don't ask me anything more beyond that Allah ki taraf se aaya it's come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when he saw this he's like wow you know he was reminded of Allah's power that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give fruit fruit out of season in a place where there's no men and women coming in and out how did she get provided by this okay he realized at that time he was reminded that then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give me the fruit of a child out of season as well Allah can give me the fruit of a child out of season as well. If Allah does that miracle, He can definitely do this miracle as well. So, At that time, Zakariya supplicated to his Lord. And he said, This I'm reading from Surah Al-Imran. And he said, Rabbi, O my Lord, Grant me from your benevolence, Beautiful, righteous children. Progeny, that is not just give me kids, no. Tayyibah, good children. Tayyib, pure children. It's not just children. Not just sons. People always say, I want sons, I want sons, or I want daughters. Don't ask like that. You have to qualify it. Otherwise, some sons can be such that you wish you were never born. Some daughters could be such that you wish you were never born. Don't ask generally like this, Ya Allah, grant me son or daughter. Ask Allah, grant me his righteous, tayyib son and daughters. That will be a source of comfort for me and for you. Right? Yani, what I mean by comfort for you, yani, will follow the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Indeed, you, O Allah, you're the one who listens to the dua. My dear friends, we have so many beautiful points we're covering over here. One of the points you, cover, you understand from here as well is that if you find, if you're sitting in a Mubarak place, now you came to a tafsir right now. This is the masjid. 
We prayed Salat al-Isha with Jama'ah. We're sitting in the state of wudu. We've been here for the past hour and 15 minutes in the masjid, an hour and 20 minutes in the masjid. Okay, hopefully you all right now will make niyya of i'tikaf. We're sitting in the niyya of i'tikaf. All right? And we're sitting in the dars of tafsir where we're listening constant hadith and verses of the Quran being explained to us. There's definitely, we're surrounded by millions of angels. Sakina and, and tranquility is descending upon all of, all of us. Rahmah of Allah is descending upon all of us. This is the place to make dua. So when you find a if when you find a spot, this is a special spot. Oh, this is a special Isha talk. This is a special Farz Namaz. You're at a Kaaba. You're at a Khatmul Quran. Look for spots that are special and make dua there. Sometimes people get allergic. There's all sorts of allergies today out there. SubhanAllah. May Allah give us safety from all these allergies. Allergy from dua, allergy from collective dua, allergy from loud dua, allergy from you know praying nafil, allergy from this, allergy from khatma Quran. So many allergies out there, right? The things that they're supposed to be allergic from, they're not. All sorts of sins are involved in. But anything like this, say, why are you making special dua? No, they will get walk out. Say, oh, we, we're not going to make a dua after the tafsir. We'll walk out of it. I remember I was giving a talk on Dajjal and all the signs of the hour in one masjid. You know, Subhanallah, that masjid, no many that many people used to even come there. Itifaq and the program was. Yeah, and it marketed so well, it was packed. And in that, I was mentioning simply a story of someone's dream. <laughs> and, and, and of course, dreams are not a proof in Sharia. So if you hear a dream that this is the solution to coronavirus and Rasulullah said this, okay, I'm not gonna say it didn't happen, but you can't prove that as, as action of Sharia. You cannot say, what does a mufti have to say about this? No, this, we have nothing to say about this. It could be right, it could be wrong, Allahu alam. but if it's nothing against the Sharia and your dream or someone's dream says, read this surah or you know, use this thing, mashallah, go ahead. There's nothing wrong with it. But this is not a proof in Sharia. So if someone says, no, I don't wanna do it, that's okay. So I just mentioned, as soon as I mentioned dream, people, one, one two people just, start, as soon as I said, and a dream, khalas, stood up and walked out. <laughs> And when, and when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is saying, towards the end of times, a true believer's dream will never be wrong. Rarely be wrong. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will communicate, I'm explaining this to you, that Allah will communicate with the ummah through dreams. If He has to send a message down, not just random people, pious righteous people who never lie, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow them to see dreams. Are you following me? Right, this is, that's why there is a beautiful aspect about it. When you hear about certain, uh, certain dreams of bishara, glad tidings or warning, we should take it, listen to it. If it's not against the sharia, accept it. If you have a problem, fine. But do not simply be allergic to dreams. Because why? 146th of prophethood was dreams. Meaning the first six months, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent revelation to His Prophet via dreams. How can you be allergic to dreams then? Because that means you're going to be allergic to revelation itself. I know this person may say, well, you're not a prophet. Well, we never said that. That's why the dream of a non-prophet can never be equivalent to the dream of a prophet. It's not a revelation. So we're speaking about allergies, right? That's where we went off on this tangent. So when we find a place where there is barakah, like a gathering of knowledge, or you're in Umrah, or whatever else, this and that place, what, are, what should you do, my dear friends? Make dua at that time. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Make dua at places where you find barakah. In a masjid, after Fard Salah, there were some companions of the Prophet ﷺ, when any affair happened, a major issue, and they needed to make dua, they would wait. They would wait till the Salatul Jama'ah would take place. And after the Salatul Jama'ah, then they would raise their hand and make dua. Why? Because Nabi ﷺ said that the dua that's made after Fard Salah, and the dua that's made in the last portion of the night, la turad, it does not get rejected. Do we think of that? Every time we come and pray Salatul Jama'ah, my dear friends, 
or fard, even if we're praying at home, how often do we sit there and say, oh my God, this is the time I gotta make dua. Allah forgive us, we run. We run. Right? We gotta, we, our mind, shaitan, says you gotta get this and you gotta get that. You gotta get your teas getting cold, your coffee needs to be made. Put the run, random other stuff. We all suffer from that. So after salah, make sure we sit down for a few minutes every day. After every fard salah, two minutes, three minutes, make dua for our parents, our grandparents, and everyone who came above us. Make dua for all the deceased in the graves. Make dua for our future, for our children, and our progeny till the day of judgment. Subhanallah. Someone, you know, the other day, I don't know who it was, just mentioned to me, I thought it was a really powerful point. He's like, you know, we cannot just make dua for our kids. I'm like, you're right. Grandkids. No, no, no. Why grandkids? I mean, you want to see your great grandson in hell? Like, no, not really. You <laughs> say, like, we have to make dua for till the day of judgment, all our progeny. I'm like, subhanallah, that's such a beautiful point. Right? We have to make, why, why would be bakhil? Why can why be stingy? Who wants their blood to go in hellfire? So you gotta make dua, Ya Allah, the, and the, all of those who came before me and all of those who came after me, protect them. And those who are gone, forgive them. We have to have a comprehensive dua in, in that sense. So we do three, three minutes, two, two minutes after every first salah, or even more. Alhamdulillah, tabarak wa ta'ala, this is great. This is when the dua is accepted. Is dua after fard salah. So this is now why Zakaria is asking a miracle to happen. Old age, of both of them and a barren wife. Okay? So any of us stop saying, oh, this can't happen. People come and say, you know, my, so my mom or dad says, just make dua. But you know, man, you know, this is never gonna change. Okay? If that's the attitude you're gonna have, then I can let you know it's never gonna change. If that's what you want, then that's what's gonna happen. Why do you have such a pessimistic, negative attitude? Get that out. Always, always say for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created me from non-existence into existence. What is it for Allah? I want all of us to hear this. Anytime you say, this is never gonna change. She's never gonna change. He's never gonna change. I'll never get that job. I'll never become like this. I'll never become like that. In, in essence, we're saying Allah is too weak to do this. Is that, is that an acceptable statement? Hmm? Can we say that? If we think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can't do it, isn't that kufr? Isn't that disbelief? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, ask me whatever you want, ask me, ask me, and we're saying, no, this can't happen. So dear friends, take that out of our minds. Take that out of the vocabulary. Impossible, take it out of your vocabulary. For me, impossible. For you, impossible. For Allah, everything is possible. Right? So now when you have that mindset, then inshallah, tabarak wa ta'ala, you will make, you will make dua like no other. Achha, now you, when you made dua, you made dua and you still failed the exam. You still failed the interview. You, did, you still, that person passed away. That person didn't, you know, get health. What should our response be? Your dua did not go to waste. It's not like your medicine. You're like, I spent thousands and thousands of dollars on this chemotherapy and thousands of dollars on this medicine and subhanAllah, they still died. And I lost the money. <laughs> right? Someone could think like that. Dua doesn't work like that. There's no such thing as wasting. If we did 10 khatmal Qur'ans for someone who was sick, and if we did 2 hours and 5 hours of dua for someone who's sick, and then they still passed away. That's not gonna waste. All of that is going to the ajr. All of that is being transported for, in their book of deeds. So you never lose when you make dua. You never lose when you make dua. Instead, when you don't achieve what you wanted, tell yourself there was probably some, definitely after so much dua, and so much a'mal, if I didn't get what I wanted, there's definitely some good in there, that I don't understand right now. I will understand it afterwards. What a beautiful story someone shared with me just recently. Said that his mother, uh, his, his wife, uh, was, they were going to have a baby. And 
uh, it was this long ago in the 70s, I guess, or 60s, or 80s. And there was no relatives of his in America. So he wanted his mother from Pakistan to come to, uh, to be with his wife and, you know, to take care of the baby and to help in this difficult time. This is 30, 40 years ago, no relatives. So she had already come to America once. She had a 10-year visa. So she went and to come back again and they denied her. They said, no, go back to, go to the embassy. So we went to the embassy and they, uh, and they said, no, she cannot fly. He said, what are you talking about? She has allowed to. He said, no, we cannot. So this person, he was connected, he called, who's still alive, a very, very powerful senator. Right? He had connections with them. His senator, the senator's office called over there. Then he knew some people in the Pakistani government. They called the embassy. Aided everything. Eventually, they said, okay, maybe there's, you know, they're scared that they're going to uh, run away to America. And they said, we have, alhamdulillah, big business here. We're not going to run away. The husband came. The husband said, here's my passport with the American visa on it. Take my passport and keep it as collateral. Just let my wife go, please. And until she doesn't come back, you don't have to give me my passport back. You know what they told her? So we'll stamp you, your visa again, you go to America. But she can't go. So it was mind-boggling. Like, how could this happen? And of course, he said, we did dua so much. Eventually, uh, when, she, when she didn't get it, his mother-in-law somehow ended up coming. Alhamdulillah, everything went fine. But he told me, my brother told me, Right now, we don't understand what happened, why this is happening. It makes no sense. Why in the world the husband is getting it and they're saying, they don't even keep it as a collateral. They're like, no, we're not going to let you go. We're just not going to let you go. That means there's something really up going on here, you know, from behind. There is someone behind all these ambassadors who's chosen and behind the president also. The decisions come from, the, from Allah then not to let this lady go. And you don't understand the wisdom behind it, time will tell. He said it wasn't even 10 days later. I think the day his son was born or the day after, subhanAllah, back in Pakistan, his father had a heart attack and he passed away. Right? So at least, mashallah, his mom was next to him in those last moments and was there the entire time. He couldn't go to the burial, but his mom was there and the husband and wife were there in the last moments. He said, only then I realized this was the, the planning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that means we, do, we can never become sour after making lots of dua and not getting what we want never instead we should say the fact that I did so much dua yet I didn't get this there's gotta I gotta be more convinced than ever that there's gotta be some khair in this oh Allah grant me a successor who will inherit me inherit from me and inherit and to inherit from the family of Yaqub and oh Allah make him well pleasing to you okay so not just a child, I want him to be well-pleasing to you. He needs to be someone who earns your happiness as well as pleasing to the rest of humanity. His akhlaq and character should be beautiful. Ya Zakariya, inna nubashiruk. Oh Zakariya, indeed we give you the glad tidings of a, of a boy whose name shall be Yahya. To none other before him we have appointed his name. Meaning, he had a unique name from Allah. His name was Yahya. Yahya means comes from life. Meaning Allah subhanahu gave him life between two people who you would never think life would come about from them. He said to my Lord, how shall I have a boy while my wife is barren? Now it's not like he's doubting it, he's the one who's made dua for it. He's just shell-shocked. He's like, seriously? <laughs> how is it going to happen? And even though my wife is barren, and I have reached an advanced state of old age. It was said, even so it shall be. 
This is a whole bayan in itself. This ayah here. Qala kadharik. Kadharik means, aysay hoga. This one word here, ulama have written so much on it. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, As, and such it shall be. That is powerful for a Muslim to understand. That when Allah decides something to happen, it will go against all odds and it will happen. No one can stop it. Allah said in the Quran, مَا يَفْتَحِ اللَّهُ لِلنَّاسِ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ If Allah were to open the doors of mercy for someone, then no one can close those doors, those, those doors of mercy for him. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses to close the doors of mercy, no one can open up those doors of mercy for him. So as long, my dear friends, we should never be affected by our environment. A very strong emphasis to my mothers and sisters, who at times find themselves very quickly resorting to losing hope and helplessness and crying and saying, this is not gonna, I'm dead, it's finished, this issue is done. Not realizing that those tears, if only if they were to be spilt on the musalla, much can happen, much greater things can happen. So keep those tears, they're a blessing. But use it on the musalla, don't waste it like that. Don't waste it. And do not say, a high afsos khatam ho gaya. You know, it's finished, it's over. No, don't say such statements like that. Change your negativity and become positive and become happy and excited in the power of Allah. And say, I'm happy with the decree of Allah, let me turn to Him and I am going to prove to Allah that I really want this. We have to prove to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we really want this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will end on this beautiful ayah here, on this portion of this ayah, qala kadhalik, that on this manner, that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that kadhalik for all of us. That in this manner, whatever our du'as we are making, we have been making, whatever the biggest obstacles we have in our life, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with His simple will change all our difficulties into ease. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove all obstacles between us and Him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us His true muhabba and love. Uh, uh, so we were gonna, before we conclude with the du'a, Couple announcements, inshallah, wa ta'ala, that um, uh, tomorrow is the inspection of the uh, masjid and the seminary, right? Uh, so please ask all of you to make lots of dua today and tomorrow as well that uh, this inspection goes well and we pass it, inshallah, and that there's no uh, you know, issues, all right? And the goal is to be able to have our new building opened up for the students. Uh, very shortly after that, a week or ten days after that, inshallah. So we need everyone's dua for that. If it gets passes, if it passes, inshallah, inshallah, which we'll say it will pass, inshallah, then on this weekend we'll have a final cleanup. I need as many people as we can on Saturday and Sunday to help prepare the place for the students, inshallah. And students are, are asked to come, volunteers are asked to come. There's a, you know, a lot of final, final uh, uh, cleaning that needs to be done, uh, inshallah, for that. And we'll announce it. You know, in Juma or in, uh, in, uh, in our email or WhatsApp, etc. Uh, second announcement is this weekend, alhamdulillah, we have the second week of our Tafim program. I want to get a show of hands. How many of you joined this past week? Raise your hand if you joined this past week. MashaAllah. Okay. So about five, six of us, alhamdulillah. All right. How many of you uh, in, encouraged others to join? Raise your hand. Okay. A few, uh, mashallah. Same people. Maybe. All right. So, so those who are joining are encouraging others. So the rest of us who are listening, I don't see your, I don't know how many you are, uh, you know, uh, uh, but if you're hearing me right now, I request you all to please make intention right now that you will attend one of the six Tafim classes on Saturday or Sunday. And uh, you can listen to the free preview from last weekend. It was free for everyone. I think about 150 or so registered total. We're hoping, inshallah, through make me of 300 this weekend. By this weekend, we double. Say, yeah, Right? Magniya, inshallah, there will be double of that by this weekend. And that inshallah is 300 houses will be changed. 
right? 300 lives, no, 300 entire families will be changed. Say inshallah. That's a niyyah we have to make. So I request all of you to please go on to the website, the Tafim, check it up, and sign up for one of the misunderstood verses of the Quran, fiqh of marriage and divorce, the Islamic heroes, uh, fiqh of halal, halal and haram, the tajweed class. So a bunch of beautiful classes that are being taught. Uh, Especially the fiqh of marriage and divorce, I want all of us here, please take that course and misunderstood verses of the Quran. Make sure, make sure you please take that. Take that. It's going to be divided into three categories focusing on those verses that the non Muslims uh, misunderstand and they attack Islam on, those verses that Muslims misunderstand and uh, uh, create, you know, go against orthodoxy, like trying to prove completely haram things from that. Right? Those, those verses that may have uh, created doubts within any one of us, that may appear, apparently become against science or sciences against that, etc. So that's the type of verses, mashallah, he'll be, Allah will be teaching. Uh, he did a great introduction this weekend. He's teaching all the way from South Africa under the, uh, uh, you know, the um, tutelage and under the supervision of our honorable Ustad, Hazrat Mufti Radha al Haq. Alhamdulillah, he's directly in communication with him. He's asking him for input for all the verses he's discussing. So I really do not want any one of you to miss these classes that are being offered on Saturday and Sunday. And make niya, you're going to invite your family and friends. Okay, so those are the two main announcements. And third, also please make dua for all of those who are sick and continue to get sick uh, from Shifa, uh, from, from, uh, from COVID. Uh, Allahu Akbar. One of the brothers had messaged me from New York, whose father-in-law was, ter- was terminally ill with cancer. He just messaged me, Inna lillahi wa inna that he passed away. Another uh, student of ours, um, you know, Hafiz Salman, who is a teacher here in IFS as well, his uncle and uh, uncle's father both passed away recently from COVID. One was today. Uh, there was a very sad a car accident that Ibrahim mentioned happened in Baltimore. One of his HIFS classmates, uh, a horrible collision with a truck. Father died on the, on the site, on the spot, and the mother is in critical condition. So this is something... Um, you know, uh, who are who, all these du'as? There are requests on I see of people who are making du'a, who are requesting for du'a of their son, daughter-in-laws, or their son-in-laws, and others who have got COVID. There's too many, Subhanallah, who've got COVID all over the country and all across the globe. We know thousands are dying as well. So let's make du'a for all of these, inshallah, and 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 make du'a for shifa for those uh, who are sick and maghfirah for those who have passed away. And for those who didn't hear about it, I told you as well that Mufti bin Haj, my elder brother's uh, wife, uh, was and his children all had COVID have COVID and have been sick and uh, um, for the past 10 days but now she was uh, taken to the ER because of having difficulty for breathing so request you inshallah to make special dua for her as well and the rest of the family Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam wa tabarakti adha al-jalali wal-ikram Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka al-shukru kulluhu Allahumma la nuhsithna ana alayka anta kama athnita ala nafsik Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum ya hayu ya qayyum ya hayu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith aslih lana sha'lana kulla wa latikinna ila anfusna tarfatayin Allahumma تطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على الدرجات وتبلغنا بأقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة بعد الممات إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم ربنا آتينا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا أفرغ علينا صبرا وتوفنا مسلمين اللهم ربنا إننا سمعنا مناديا ينادي للإيمان آمن بربكم فآمنا ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار 
سمعنا وأطعنا غفرانك ربنا وليك المصير فاعفو عنا وفاعفو عنا فاعفو عنا واغفر لنا واغفر لنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على قوم الكافرين اللهم يا حي يا قيوم لا إله إلا هو الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم نسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تتعلنا في مقام هذا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا مريضا إلا شفيته ولا دينا إلا قضيته ولا ضالا إلا هديته ولا سائلا إلا أعطيته ولا حاجة من حوائج الدنيا والآخرة هي لك رضا ولنا فيها صلاح إلا عنتنا وسرتها لنا يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم إنك عفو تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم مغفرتك أوسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك أرجع عندنا من عملنا اللهم اشفي مرضانا مرضى المسلمين اللهم اشفيهم شفاء كاملا دائما عاجلا مستمرا نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم إن شفي مرضانا مرضى المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم إن شفي مرضانا مرضى المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم إن شاء مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وأنثانا اللهم من أحييت منا فأحيا على الإسلام ومن توفيت منا فتوفوا على الإيمان اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم وعفو عنهم وادخلهم الجنة اللهم نقيه من الذنوب كما ينقى ثوب الأبيض من الدنس اللهم اجعل قبرهم روضة من رياض الجنة ولا تجعل حفرة من حفر النار اللهم لا تحرمنا أجرهم ولا تفتنا بعدهم اللهم أبدلهم دارا خيرا من دارهم وأهلا خيرا من أهلهم Oh Allah, we ask you to accept this gathering. Oh Allah, accept uh, this, uh, this, this, uh, this majlis of tafsir. Oh Allah, all that was said, if it was beneficial, if it was indeed from you. Oh Allah, if mistakes were made, oh Allah, that it was indeed our own mistake, forgive us for that. Oh Allah, whatever was shared, oh Allah, we ask you to grant the speaker and the listeners all to be able to put it into practice. Oh Allah, allow our spouses and our children and our parents and our siblings to put it into practice. Oh Allah, make every single one of us, Ya Allah, put in, put in, uh, in our lives, oh Allah, the teachings of the Quran. Oh Allah, allow every one of us to be attached to the Quran. Allow our wives and our husbands, our children, our parents, and our siblings, and our extended relatives to be attached with the Qur'an. Make every one of us amongst those who recite it beautifully. Make every one of us who recite it with tajweed. Make every one of us who learn the meanings of it, who learn the tafsir of it, and who put it into practice. O oh Allah, make every one of us an inviter towards the Qur'an, inviter towards the teaching of the Qur'an. Ya Allah, grant all of us true love, true mahabba, true attachment to the Qur'an. Ya Allah, remove all the obstacles, barriers, walls, blackness, and darkness from our minds and our hearts that does not allow the nur of the Qur'an to penetrate our hearts. O oh Allah, that doesn't allow us to be humbled in front of the Quran that doesn't allow it to tear up when we recite that doesn't allow our heart to tremble as we recite oh Allah we ask you we seek forgiveness for, from you for all the evil of our past oh Allah the evil intentions the evil of the eye the evil of the hands and the feet the evil of the mind the evil of the heart the evil of the tongue and the lips oh Allah the evil of all our limbs oh Allah the evil of our earnings the evil of our spendings oh Allah oh Allah we seek refuge in you from the evil of all our sins oh Allah we ask you to grant us complete forgiveness complete maghfira of major and minor sins oh Allah as we sit here as we listen to this or we listen to it afterwards. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant all of us the ability to truly, truly repent to you from every major and minor sin we've ever committed in our lives. Oh Allah, make it easy for every one of us to make intention to leave those sins right now. And make it, intent- make it easy for us to have genuine remorse over our sins. And make it easy for us to make a firm resolve not to go back to those sins in the future. Oh Allah, make it easy for us to bring a lifestyle change. Oh Allah, make it easy for us to make a lifestyle change within us to be able to lead a sin-free life. Oh Allah, grant us to replace our bad company with beautiful company. O Allah, make it easy for all of us to find good company. Make it easy for all of us to find good company. O Allah, we seek refuge in you from the evil of, of good, bad company. O Allah, we seek refuge in you from the evil of bad company. O Allah, we seek refuge in you from the evil of our base desires and our nafs. O Allah, we seek refuge in you from the plotting and planning of shaitan. O Allah, we seek refuge in you from all the jealousy of those who harbor jealousy. From the evil eye of those who like to cla- cast their evil eye. O Allah, from the, from the evil of the sorcerers and the magicians when they perform their magic and the sorcery. O Allah, we ask you to 
protection from the sorcery and the magic of the shayateen. Oh Allah, and the magic and the sorcery of the humans. Oh Allah. We ask you, Allah, protection from all that that Rasulullah has sought protection in you from. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant shifa to all of those who are sick. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to grant shifa. Whoever in the hospitals, whoever in the ICU, oh Allah, whoever in any way, shape, or form who is sick at home, oh Allah, who are suffering from chronic illnesses, oh Allah, whoever is suffering mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial difficulties, Ya Allah, we ask you to remove their difficulties, remove these difficulties, oh Allah, through the barakah of this Mubarak gathering, oh Allah, just like you granted Zakaria and Maryam, oh Allah, things out of season because of their conviction they had in you. O Allah, grant all of us that conviction first and foremost in our du'as. O Allah, allow us to make regularly every single day beautiful, long, powerful du'as with conviction. O Allah, allow every one of us to be able to make long, beautiful, powerful du'as with conviction. Allow all of us to make long, beautiful du'as with conviction. Allow us to make it in the midst of the night, the last portion of the night, the first portion of the night, and after every fard salah. O Allah, on this Mubarak occasion, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant us all of our permissible desires and needs, all of the things that we have been asking for you for the past decades, past years, past months, which there is benefit in it for us in this world or the hereafter. Grant us that. Oh Allah, if there is no benefit in what we're asking for, then do not grant us that. Instead, grant us the ability to ask that which is beneficial for us. Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant reward for all, for all those who are sick. Reward equivalent to the good deeds they used to do when they were healthy. Oh Allah, Make their sickness a means of complete, complete forgiveness. Make their sickness a means of their lives completely changing. Make their sickness a means of becoming humble in front of you. Make their sickness a means of them becoming soft in front of you. Oh Allah, make that sickness a means of them their status being raised in front of you. Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant them complete shifa. Those who have passed away, oh Allah, from the entire ummah, from the beginning till now, O Allah, fill their grave with nur. Fill their grave with nur. O Allah, open up the doors of Jannah, the windows of Jannah. The, bring for them the fragrance and the, and the bedding of Jannah, the food of Jannah. O Allah, you become pleased with them. Make their grave as expansive as the eye can see. O Allah, O Allah, have mercy upon our parents and grandparents, all those who have passed away, our teachers and grandteachers. O Allah, those are of us whose parents and grandparents and teachers are alive. Allow them to have long, beautiful, healthy, productive lives. Allow them to have long, beautiful, productive, healthy lives. Allow us to serve them. Allow us to gain their du'as. Allow us to remain in their du'as. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to grant all of us husnul khatima in a beautiful ending. Grant all of us beautiful ending, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, grant all of us sincerity in the repentance that we're making today. Oh Allah, oh Allah, whatever obstacles they are, they are for every single one of us to be able to bring change into, the, into our lives. You are well aware of those obstacles. Oh Allah, none can remove, the, remove those obstacles besides you. Ya Allah, we ask you to remove those obstacles from our life. O oh Allah, put muhabba and love between every quarreling husband and wife. O oh Allah, put muhabba and love between every quarreling husband and wife. O oh Allah, put muhabba and love between every quarreling husband and wife. O oh Allah, put, remove animosity and put muhabba and love between every child and their parents. O oh Allah, put muhabba and love and understanding between every child and their parent. O oh Allah, we ask you to bring parents and their children close together, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant nikah to all those who are looking for marriage. O Allah, all those who are of marriageable age or previously married and looking for marriage now, Ya Allah, there's so many who have reached out. They are, Ya Allah, helpless. O Allah, they're genuinely asking you simply so that they can remain chaste. O Allah, they're making dua for years. O Allah, we ask you to have mercy upon those souls and grant for them the best of past spouses. O Allah, those who are of marriageable age but are involved in sin, Ya Allah, please remove them from their sin. Remove them from the sin and grant them the best of spouses, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant us all of us peace and security in our homes. O oh Allah, grant us barakah in our wealth, in our health. O oh Allah, we ask you to allow this week to be of safety and aman in this country. O oh Allah, save the entire country. O oh Allah, from the evil of the evildoers and the plotters. O oh Allah, save the future 
of this country from the evil of the evildoers. Ya Allah, allow this transition to be peaceful. And allow all of our health and wealth and our masajid and our iman and the lives to all be safe. O Allah, save us, Ya Allah, from the evil of those who try, who try to stir up evil in this country. O Allah, allow the newly elected leaders in every branch of government to do that which is in the best interest of the community. O Allah, allow them to have your fear. Allow them to have your fear. Allow them to have your fear. And O Allah, guide them in every step. O Allah, grant guidance to all the Muslim leaders wherever they may be as well. O Allah, we ask you to protect all our masjids, our madrasas, our deen institutions. O Allah, protect this institution of Darus Salaam from every evil, from every evil, from top to bottom, from right to left. Allah, protect our musallis. O Allah, protect our listeners of our online programs. O Allah, protect our patrons and our donors. O Allah, protect our students and our teachers and our staff members. O Allah, protect our contractors. Protect all of those in any way, shape or form who have assisted us, Ya Allah, in reaching where we are today. Ya Allah. O Allah, allow tomorrow's uh, ya Allah, inspection process to go with ease. O Allah, with, with afiyah, allow us to be able to have our inspection and allow the students with safety and afiyah to be able to return back. O Allah, all the steps required for their safety, safe return, allow that to happen. O Allah, there are a few things still remaining in the construction. O Allah, there's so many obstacles, but through the barakah of these hundreds of people who are saying, Ameen. Ya Allah, please you make a decision today that those obstacles be removed. All those contractors were not able to do their work. O Allah, all of those subcontractors were not able to do their work. All those par- par- things that need to be left, that are left behind for so many months. Ya Allah, remove all the obstacles from these workers and allow them to, with ease and afiyah within this next week, allow them to complete every single aspect of this building, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, this can easily happen through your command. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to please make it happen. Make it happen that all the needs of it, oh Allah, whatever bills there are to be paid, oh Allah, you from your infinite treasures provide so that all those bills can be paid for this place. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, more important than anything else, make this place a markaz of spirituality. Oh Allah, make this place a center of spirituality. Allow thousands who are lost, allow their, allow their thirst to be quenched over here. And allow their thirst to be quenched through the programs. O oh Allah, allow thousands to become educated here. O oh Allah, allow thousands of their needs to get fulfilled over here. O oh Allah, allow this place to become a source of khayr for Muslims and non-Muslims, for men and women and children. And allow it to become a one-stop shop for millions of people, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow the faith and the nur of this place to spread throughout the globe. Allow the students to go out different parts of the globe and allow them to spread the khayr and deen. O oh Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs we all have, especially those who are listening and who participate participating in this dua right now, whether they're listening online or sitting here, or Ya Allah who will listen to it afterwards, Ya Allah, you know what's in their hearts, you know what's in their minds. Have mercy upon all of us, have mercy upon all of us, remove our worries and concerns. Oh Allah, have mercy upon all of us. Allow this Tafim program to be the most well-attended program we've ever had. And allow it to become a means of bringing change in the lives of thousands of young and elderly people, Ya Allah. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun. Wa salamun ala mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ameen. Jazakumullahu khaira. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.